Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, now back, and it seems like it's been forever, is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tom is getting ready to start his winter residency at Crown Colony Golf Club down in Naples, Florida. So if you want to take your game to a new level and take all the cash from your buddies, go see Tom. Because as rumor has it, the weather stays pretty warm throughout the fall and winter down in Naples. You can also check out over 300 free video lessons on Tom's YouTube page. His Giants came back from the dead last Sunday, and that's what Tom is. Back from the great beyond, and I couldn't be more excited to have him back here on Next on the T. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Crazy boy. <laughs> it's been forever, TP. Where have you Wait, been? Oh, man, I've been hiding out. I'm all over the place, my man. And by the way, Blue Jays won, Yankees won, uh, fourth inning, no outs. And uh, my, my world care my, about that? My, my, my World Series is actually going on right now. As long as the Yankees finish ahead of the Red Sox. <laughs> is that what we're reduced to now? That's as long as they, they finish fourth or fifth in the That's, division? As long as they finish ahead of the Red Sox, it'll be uh, an okay season. I can, I can live with that. Wow. That. That's, yeah, that's, that's pitiful. It's pitiful. It's so pitiful. where have you been, TP? I know you've been you've been doing some travel. Catch us yeah, up. I was, uh, I was up in the Northeast for a couple of days with a new company. We'll talk about that later. Um, for about five days of visiting my, a lot of friends in the med section. I haven't seen them forever. I am now in Jupiter, Florida, working with a student over here for a couple of days. Uh, one more day here, and I go home tomorrow evening. I've got uh, two days of catch-up in Naples. And uh, just for a little clarification, my good host, Crown Colony is in Fort Myers, not in Naples. Okay, just so oh. we can you. I got you on a technicality. I love when I get you on technicality. It's, it's wow. one of my favorites. A um, couple of days of catch-up there at the Crown, and then uh, I'm off Key West for about four or five days. For Denise's birthday and our anniversary. Oh, look at you! Yeah, with the yeah, birthday so and anniversary, and I'm your birthday's coming up too. By the way, what are you going to be? Eighty-two, eighty-three. What do you got? Oh, you you, 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 you're not a nice person. <laughs> you're just not a nice person. I got a big one, though, big man. It's sixty-five. Sixty-five. Yeah, big one. I got a big one. It's it's wow. It's a, little bit, a little bit painful. A little bit painful. There's a little pain involved in this one. Um, you gonna move uh, up to the to the uh, green teas now? Is oh, sure, that... I moved. I moved up a long time ago. Are you kidding me? I'm not proud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. It's, it's the late. It's the late. It's the, it's the ladies let me play. I'm gonna move up there. Keep going. Play, play your teas. That's all I. You know, that's all I say. Whatever it takes. Play had, your teas. I, I had a little. I had a little today. We we had some rain delays down here today. We played. Uh, how many holes did we get into? We got in about 16 holes jumping around out of some rain delays with the student today. I, I strolled around in uh, in minus one for sixteen holes. Oh, so I got around. Look at yeah. you! Yeah, it was nice. I you still got weeks. game. Who are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, still well, got I mean, game. I don't know about game. It was it was, it's it's a little you know magic you know, <laughs> smoke and mirrors. Indeed. Smoke and mirrors. All right, so let's 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 talk some golf, and and I got to get your thoughts, TP, because the U.S. Ryder Cup is what we're all looking forward Here to right now. Here we go. And there was a lot of gnashing of teeth. 
when Captain Zach Johnson picked Justin Thomas ahead of Keegan Bradley, Cam Young, or Lucas Glover. But JT goes out and finishes fifth this past weekend at the Fortinet Championship. So was that enough to quiet down the doubters, or is there still going to be a lot of heat on him and on Zach if JT doesn't come up with a couple of points during the Ryder Cup? No, I, I think I, I think the only thing that quiets everybody down is JT goes over there to Rome and kicks some ass. I mean, I think, you know, there's still, you know, listen, at the end of the day, there's going to be that group of people. And, I, and I'm on the fence here, Chris, and I, we've talked about this. I'm on the fence. A lot of people say, you know, Lucas Glover and Keegan Bradley got screwed. And you can make viable arguments for both of those guys over JT, certainly, who played, you know, let's, let's face it, he, he, for JT, for JT, not for anybody else, he had a bad year. I mean, anybody else would have probably taken a year. But for him, it was a bad year. And, and he was, you know, outside the bubble, clearly. And I think the love triangle, we know what the love triangle is, you know, Rick, Ricky, Jordan, and JT, you know. I think they they definitely, you know, hold hard with Jack to get JT a spot, you know, and, and you know, listen, it's no secret that Keegan's not part of that circle. Um, and, and, you know, I, I was surprised with the Lucas thing because he's obviously hot right at the end of the year and you always want the hot guy on the team, you know, going down the stretch. But I think, you know, any play, listen, it was nice to see JT play well this week. It was really nice. To, I'm sure. He could take a deep breath on that one and feel a little bit better about it, feel like it's going in the right direction. But if he plays bad in Rome, there's going to be heat. There's no two ways about it. So, I mean, and I don't want him to play. I don't want anybody to play bad. I'm, you, know, you and I are both very pro-USA, but he's got right. to go over there. He's got to go over there and play well. He's got to play well over there, and, it, and otherwise there's going to be some the shit's going to hit the fan. Right. No? So let's let's look at a player that didn't make it on the European team, but sure wishes he had. And there was some pulling of strings going on on that side as well. And there's a story in Golf Magazine this week that said Sergio Garcia offered to pay a lot of money in fines and also go out and play in some DP World events next year in exchange if he could play in the Ryder Cup. And we all know how much John Rahm was lobbying for Sergio to be able to play. John Rahm, heck, is lobbying for Sergio to be a future vice captain, if not a captain of the team as well. And look, we all know Sergio's record, all-time points leader in Ryder Cup history. And then there's the fact that we've got a live player playing on the U.S. team in Brooks Kepka. But TP, are you surprised at all that Sergio, John Rahm, someone didn't somehow pull a string to get him on the European team? Well, there, there's another guy on in the European version, like JT, who hasn't had his best year, even on live. You know, even playing in those outings, they're outings, right? They're not tournaments, right? They're outings. <laughs> even in, even in the outings, you know, the Lions Club and the, you know, <laughs> oh, whatever, 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 so bitter, so bitter. You know, he hasn't had a great year, um, and and along the way, he's managed on several occasions to piss people off on different different topic areas. He's taken some shots at some guys, so I'm not. I'm sure he's not top of his hit parade. Maybe him and him, maybe him and Keegan Bradley can have a you know, take a vacation with the wives together. Or something. <laughs> um, they, maybe they can, they can go to the Canary Islands or something like that. But <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not, I mean, and John Rahm, I'm sure was lobbying hard, but I, I think that Luke Donald is the voice of reason. If anybody, you know, Luke Donald and and Zach Johnson are probably two of the most level-headed people you're ever going to meet. Um, I'm sure he didn't want to hear about it. You know, he really didn't want to hear about it. And and to offer money 
Matt, try tries to buy your way onto the Ryder Cup team. Now think about that. Think about that premise. I'm going to buy my way onto the Ryder Cup team. I'm going to offer, pay seven hundred plus thousand dollars to buy my way onto the Ryder Cup team. How would that look if if Luke Donald said, "Yeah, Serge, that's a great idea. Give us the money when you're on." How would that look? <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's the most bizarre. That's crazy. You know? So. So as we look ahead to this event, and you and I are not going to get to have time on the show until after the event is over two weeks from now. Right. So what's your prediction? Do they go in and, and do they blow doors just like they did two years ago here? A lot of, lot, you know, again, if you look at that European team, there's some head scratching picks that Luke Donald made. I mean, one of the guys that he picked as one of his captains picked hasn't even played in a major yet, yet he's going to be on the, the European Ryder Cup team. I don't know. What are your thoughts? How does this turn out? Listen, I I think one of the things you have to look at at 2023-2024 is there are, for example, Chris, there are probably 20 guys on the Corn Ferry Tour that are good enough to win a major. Okay? There are probably 15 guys we've never heard of in world golf right now with the DP World Tour, whether it's Australasia, wherever you want to go with this that are world-class type players we still haven't heard of yet. The depth of talent today is so deep, you know, it's so incredibly deep, that I'm sure Luke Donald, who's a very smart dude, has done his homework. Now, P.S., if I'm not mistaken, all 12 players on the European Ryder Cup team made the cut this past week at the BMW. And I think half of them finished in the top 15. So there's a lot of guys on that team right now in pretty good form. And the guy you're speaking at who was not one of major was in contention on the back nine on Sunday. Um, so I think our boys have their hands full. You know, it's an away game. It's on a golf course that they're not particularly familiar with. And I, I, I kind of brushed that part into the table a little bit. Cause listen, if you're, if you're a world-class player and you play two practice rounds and you've got your caddy with you, that you're fine. I mean, I, I think the whole course setup thing is a little bit ridiculous. I think the big thing is 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 the away crowd and, and the emotional swings out there. Um, but no, I think they've got their hands full. I think the European team is real. Um, I, I think, it, it, you know, I think you got to play some golf to win this thing. For sure. So, and, and but I, I want to get, I want to get your prediction here on, on who wins and by how much, but let, let's clarify something. Ludwig Aberg, is the guy that we are talking about that has yet to even play in a major, and he finished tied for tenth this past weekend at the, uh, yeah. at the BMW. Now he he went out and shot a a four over par round to to fall back down to tied for tenth. So I think that's where people are looking at him like mm, he's been up there and had an opportunity to win three or four times and has struggled in the in the final round. So it's going to be that much harder when you're playing in a uh, in a Ryder Cup event, but still. A good player, you you don't you don't accidentally finish tied for tenth. So yeah. yeah, so these guys are are playing good golf and they're continuing to play and they're out there and and you know Rory had a tied for seventh finish and he was he's been competitive in the last few DP World Tour events. So they're they're all honing their games out there. Hopefully our guys are too. We're not seeing many of them play any events right now, which right. is kind of concerning, but. Anyway, do, we, we won by a record amount last time. Do you, what, what do you think is going to happen this time? I think it's a coin flip. Is that I right? Really I really do. I think it's a coin flip. I, I think, listen, 
Let's let's be clear about Aber going back to the BMW for a second. Outside of the U.S. tour, the BMW is one of the really premier events outside of the U.S. tour on the world stage. It's a very very good event on a very very. Good, I've I've played Wentworth. Uh, I've I've spent some time over there playing in Europe when I was younger, and I, yeah, I played there quite a few times. That's a really good golf course. Um, really strong golf course, and and a, a tie for tenth there is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, the kid's a really good player. He had a tremendous, and listen, I understand it's the Ryder Cup. I get it. But he had a tremendous college career. He's, he's, it's well documented how good this kid is. And they're going to put him with somebody, I'm sure, that's going to be a calming influence. They're not going to put him with, you know, another rook probably. They're going to probably put him with somebody who's, he put his arm around his shoulder and, and kind of walk him down the fairway, uh, as any of us would do with somebody like that. So um, don't brush him off. But. I think in terms of the outcome, I think it's a coin flip. I think it's going to be a hell of a match. I think you got two smart captains who will do a great job pairing people together. Um, I, I, you know, listen, you know, you know who I'm rooting for. I mean, but uh, am I concerned? Yeah, I am concerned. I, I'd be very concerned. So to your point about how well the team finished as a whole in this event, Terrell Hatton finished tied for second. Rom right. finished fourth. Hovland finished fifth. Fleetwood finished sixth. <laughs> McElroy finished tied for seventh. Aberg finished tied for tenth, as did Sepp Straka. So, yeah, they were well represented. You think, you think, they, in, you think they're playing in okay? In the top ten. Yeah, I think they're playing good golf. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and guess what? Who played, who played in Napa? Homer played in Napa. JT played at Napa. Who else played at Napa? Nobody? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't smell good to me. It doesn't smell good. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. And, Tom, I know you've been trying out the latest and greatest Titleist equipment. You've made some tweaks to what's in Tom Patry's bag. Update us on what you got. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, we, we talked about this off air, Chris. I don't understand, and you know how prettiest I am about Titleist. I'm, I'm a huge Titleist guy. I've been with, with Titleist for a long time. I'm on their leadership advisory staff. and, and they're like family. I feel like I'm part of their family. I feel like they're part of my family. I don't understand not only titles, but whether you're talking about Ping or you're talking about Callaway or you're talking about Tellermate, whoever you're talking about, and certainly I'm talking about titles in the golf ball. How do they keep on coming up with stuff that's better than the last generation? Because they've done it again. So I, I, I have a mixed set here, Chris. I've got the I I <laughs> showing my age a little bit. I took the hybrids out of the bag. And I put a five and seven wood in fairway metal, um, and and the seven wood had become my new favorite club on the planet. I, I, I probably hit more seven woods this fall and, and this, this summer inside my seven iron. It's unbelievable. It's just it's just so easy to hit. It's unbelievable. Um, I was not a great hybrid player, and you, you kind of question how can you be a good fairway play, player and not be a good hybrid player? But it, they're different. Um, I put a T350 five and six iron in the bag, uh, kind of a little bit of a help club at, and on the longer side. And then the seven iron through gap wedge are T150s. Uh, I had previously been a T100 player. They've, t- they've, they've tweaked the T100 into two different clubs, the 100 and the 150 now. Slightly bigger profile, a little bit deeper face, um, a little bit more help at the bottom of the club. Um, and I, it's funny, I put a steel fiber 
I-80s in the 5 and 6 iron and, and Nippon lightweight steel 7 iron through gap width. So we've done a lot of playing around with the equipment, a lot of playing around with the technology to increase, increase speed and launch a little bit and spin a little bit. Um, today was actually, yesterday and today were the first days because I was in New York last week for six days with no golf, just meetings. Um, the last two days were the first days I really could give them a little test run, hit a few balls in the range and played 18 yesterday and 16 today because of the rain. Um, and I was over the moon thrilled with them. Um, I was concerned with the five and six iron a little bit. I didn't know how I was going to feel with the 350 and it was, it was so good. It was unbelievable. Uh, and, and they just are, they're all just so solid throughout the set. Um, you know, and, and I can go on forever. And I don't want it to sound like a paid political announcement because it is, but, um, really, really good, really good stuff. You mentioned the seven wood, and that is something that I've put in my bag. And, um, it is fantastic. I, I enjoy hitting that club. I hit it probably better than most of the clubs in my bag. Yeah, yeah, Talk about. Yeah. Talk about what did you take out in order to put the seven wood in? I took out a three hybrid, Chris. And, and the reason I took out the three hybrid with the seven wood in, I didn't feel like I was launching the three hybrid high enough. So when I had a shot of, it's kind of a 190 club for me, a 200 club for me. So if I had a front pin behind a bunker, I found hitting the three hybrid in there, it, the, the ball would release you know 25 or 30 feet uh, because I didn't launch it high enough. When I put the seven wood in, I hit it actually a little further, but I hit it much higher and, and you know with a steeper descent. So I could I could keep the ball in the front quadrant behind behind a bunker to a front pin. And it reduced like if, if this if the hybrid if the three hybrid was releasing thirty feet, the seven wood would release ten feet, you know, coming into a green. So you know, I could get it to a front pin over a front bunker. And keep it in the same quadrant of the green that the pin was in, uh, and it just—I I just like the way it sat on the ground better. Um, I, I could hit it out of t- much tighter lies. I felt like now again, some of these things are personal, um, but that's—that was my experience. And I had very similar experience, and and I play. The well, you're a, better, you're, a, you're, a, you're a much better player than I am. <laughs> you're, you're, you're much yeah. much more talented. You have greater hands. <laughs> Your hand yeah. quit. If your over athletic ability is far superior to mine, not, so I bow to that. I yeah, bow well, that. and and then and that's all one hundred percent true. Yeah. Um, but you know, for for those of us that are you know ten fifteen handicap, that seven wood has made a big difference, and and yeah. in just the exact same way that you mentioned, because I I get a higher launch with my tailor made seven wood, but it is the fact that it does stop on the green. You know, much, much sooner and much softer than what my hybrids. I had the exact yeah. same experience. So, folks, yeah. if you are looking for a change out there, highly recommend the seven wood as apparently so does TP. And, and I, you know, I just brag on all these companies and all these R and D guys that are doing such amazing things while still conforming with that wonderful organization, one of my favorite organizations in the world, the United States Golf Association. <laughs> they're, they're, they're one of my all time favorites. Actually, I put them right up there with the Boston Red Sox, as a matter of fact. <laughs> That's how I feel about them. Of course. Uh, um, so, I mean, to conform, seriously, and the conformities and, and the rules right now are pretty stringent, pretty tight, and they keep on doing it better. It's just unbelievable. So let's take that a half step further, because that's where I wanted to go next. Because the USGA has limits for how far a golf ball can fly and all of those sorts of things, 
how does how does it continue to get better? It can't be flying farther. It's better has got to be in the in the form of straighter, higher, softer spin, those sorts of things, right? That's right. all that's left out there. So here, here's what I'll tell you because I'm I'm not I'm, as as you know I, I am not a brain surgeon, okay? So the no, last time I the last time no no I'm not definitely my father's rolling over in his grave right now. So the last time I went to Titleist uh, headquarters, um, and there's a, there's a place there, and, and it's not any secret anymore, but it was at one time. It's a place called Manchester Lane, which is their outdoor test facility. And I guess I get to spend some time there almost every year. Uh, and went up went up there. Um, I'm sorry, two years ago. I went up there this year too, but two years ago, and I walked into the test building where there are several Iron Byrons in there, and there's a lot of R and D going out there, and a lot of launch testing going on there. Um, and they want to introduce me to a couple of guys that just joined, joined the staff. And I talked to them and they were, little, you know, they're a little younger than me, but not much younger. And I said, you know, where, you know, where are you guys coming from? Where, where's your career previous to here? And they all worked for NASA on the space shuttle. Oh my. <laughs> so now they're designing golf clubs and golf balls. <laughs> I mean, oh, so it is rocket the, science. It is rock. These are the kind of guys that these companies are now employing to figure out. And counteract to some degree, and I'm, I'm using I'm I'm putting words in people's mouths right now. And I don't think I don't think Titles Telemeter or or Callaway or Ping would say it this way. Kind of counteracting or counter combating the USGA, trying to get you know the best rabbit out of the rabbit hole um, to make the thing perform better, um, and it's become kind of a contest between these companies to you know make their equipment perform better than the next equipment, you know. In, in actual scientific terms. And we're talking about some very, very, very smart people designing golf clubs and golf balls now. And and who benefits from that? You and I do. We benefit from that. So, Tom, if, if you had a golf ball from the days when you won the D2 National <laughs> Championship and you had a new golf ball out of your bag now and you went out to play both balls in a round of golf, right? You were just you're going to play a two ball with yourself. Right out there, what what would be the difference in in performance? Do you think what would be the difference in your score? Do you think if you went out there and played both golf balls? Well, let's let's understand one thing: the the golf ball that I won the NCAA with in 1981, Division Two NCAA with 1981, was a Titles 392 Blotta. Um, so let's put that in layman's terms, and I'll back into the answering the question more specific terms. That's like you and I taking a car trip today in an Etzel and then tomorrow <laughs> hopping in, hopping into a Ferrari, you know, it's like that. I mean, it's that different. Um, and understand back in 81, when I won, I was playing a 392 Bellotta golf ball with a wooden headed golf club. Okay. That if you put it down on the ground right now, it, it would look like a pea shooter. Like how do they even, how did I not miss the golf ball? This thing is so small. Uh, I still have the golf club at home. I, I, I've messed around with it all the time, and it's just so much fun. But it's, I, I mean, I, I was like, I'd be scared to miss the thing, you know. Um, so now you're talking about putting that Bellotta along sorry, a Pro V1 and hitting it with a metal face. Well, the Bellotta, in terms of feel, would feel like a really bad, really bad range ball today. Uh, like a really bad range ball, you know, in terms of feel. Performance, it would it would be very spinny, uh, you know. You kind of balloon it a lot. It, it would 
It wouldn't be as piercing. It wouldn't hold its line in the wind nearly as well. Um, it wouldn't perform on and around the greens as well. It, it wouldn't, you know, you, you couldn't even make a comparison to be so far off. Um, the golf ball today, you know, again, and, and let's be fair across the board here, whether you're talking about the Titleist Pro V1, which is the best golf ball on the planet, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Titleist guy. I'm saying it because it's true. Um, but any of the premium balls in the market today, in comparison to when we played in 81, whatever we were playing, it, it's it's like, you know, Mars and Venus. It's not even close. You mentioned being afraid you'd miss the ball. I tell you what, I was going through the garage and I pulled out the four-wood that I had as a kid playing. And it was a Wilson, I think Dr. Kerry Middlecoff four-wood. And, and, I, and I think this is true. I think if you took two quarters and put them side by side, that's about as big as the head of the golf club yeah, was. I and I, I just really, from the... From the 460cc driver, looking at that head, I, I do. I did sort of wonder to myself, how in the world did I ever hit the ball? I had a picture. I, I won. The, I won the NCAA in '81 with a, with a, a custom-made Tony Pena driver with a gamma. Ready for this? A gamma fire insert because that gamma fire was really special. It was like I had a custom gamma fire insert, which made it go much further, much further. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean. And I still have the club, and it's, it's, I'm like, what, 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 what the hell were we thinking about? Seriously, <laughs> what, what didn't, what didn't we actually know back then? You right. Know? Let's switch Crazy. gears, and I, and I gotta get your thoughts. Tiger and Rory are getting ready to uh, launch their new TGL Tech Golf League in January. Teams are being bought and sold right now. My Red Sox ownership group has a rights to a Boston team. Arthur Blank here in Atlanta has the rights to a team here in Atlanta. The Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, are going to have a team out in L.A. And right now, the guys signed up to play in this league, besides Tiger and Rory, we got John Robb, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Xander Schauffele, Max Homa, Ricky Fowler, and Billy Horschel. So this is going to be a kind of like simulated golf league. So... You got your, uh, you got your TiVo, you got your everything lined up. You're going to be sitting there watching. Can't wait for it to start in January. Tom, Tom. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. They're not off there. Um, so, no. So let me let me say this about that. So in 2023-24, I'm sure all the millennials are going to race to it. And there's going to be some kind of subscription or some kind of fee or some kind of online betting or some kind of yada, yada, yada. And who's going to really win? Tiger, Rory, and those players you just named, because they're all going to have a little piece of the action. And they're going to make a lot of money, I'm sure, because all the little millennials are going to play the golf version of a video game. Okay, that's what it's going to be, right? So it'll be probably be it'll probably be successful. It'll probably be... Um, like all these things are, they're going to be hot for a couple of years and they'll fade off into the distance. And, and then in the meantime, all players named will pad their pockets a little bit and it'll be really good and everybody will enjoy it. But will Tom be doing it? Uh, no, no. Tom's not tuning in. I take it. Uh, no. So it's going to be, it's going to be right up there on my hit list with watching Live Golf. You know, <laughs> you know, you know we'll put those side by side. 
Tom, a couple more before I let you go. As we look ahead to fall and winter golf, we've got the Grant Thornton Invitational coming up in December, a new mixed team event. Last time we had one of these was back in 1999 when John Daly and Laura Davies teamed up to win it. And then we've got, you know, these uh, the, the events that are happening right now, like the Fortinet, for the guys that finished outside the top 70, they can start to earn points and, and hopefully get themselves back inside that top 70 for next year, get themselves jockeying for position, if you will, as we start the new year. But are, are you watching any of the golf tournaments this fall and winter? Are you going to watch this Grant Thornton thing? Or is do we really need to kind of sunset fall and winter golf because we're all watching football anyway? Well, let me let me let me do before I directly answer that question. Let me just say the Grand Thornton, if I'm not mistaken, Chris, help me if I'm wrong here, is going to be played in Naples, Florida, is it not? Yes, it is. And I, I want to extend an on-air invitation to Chris Mascaro to come down and stay at Costa de Patri. And let's walk. Give me, you got to get me some dates so I can walk off some time off the lesson tee, and you and I will go have a little soiree, watch a little golf. And then play a little golf in the afternoon somewhere, and I'll arrange that. And then, and then we'll have a little dinner somewhere, and we'll hang out for a couple of days. Wow! Well, I mean, that's an invitation. And then, and then, for any of you listeners out there, you can kind of hunt us down and kind of hang out with us and walk around with us, right? Wow! Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be. Um, cool. So that would I I I, I duck out to you know it it was originally. It was originally the shark shootout. That's what it originally was. That's just, it's, this is what this event has morphed into. It was the shark shootout, and then it was a team event. It was a, it was a financial company, if I'm not mistaken. Now it's the Grant Thornton. So I, I go out there. I duck out there every once in a while, and, you know, just try to catch up with some guys that are friends. Um, so I probably would attend that one day normally, but if Christmas Scarrow's in town, I might take two days or three days. You know, that would wow. be royalty. It's like royalty, right? Um, but the rest of the stuff in the wraparound, and, I, and I've been a big um, critic of the wraparound for a long time because I think we're causing some burnout. I think we need, these guys need some time off. There needs to be a break where they can recharge their batteries, where they don't have any heat on them, where they can spend some time with their families. Listen, baseball has a break. Football has a break. Basketball has a break. You know, I mean, they need some time away to regroup. And the other thing that's going on right now, Chris, we haven't touched on it, and I think we talked about it off air too, was they're changing the rules every week. You know, is it 125? Is it 50? Is it 80? How many players do this? How many players qualify for that? How many guys come up from the corn ferry? How many guys keep their cards? You know, I think the PGA Tour and the live thing is a complete, complete and utter shit show right now. And nobody really knows what's going on. Obviously, we read the article this week about Jimmy Walker being pissed off. You know, not knowing where he stood, and and then changing the rules in midstream, which is it's just it's just bad it's just bad optics. You know, they gotta they gotta get this thing figured out, man. Couldn't agree more with that statement. You know, Tom. Before I let you go, remind our listeners again: how can they stay up to date with you and all the great things you're out there doing, whether it's on your website or it's on social media? Christy, I'm starting at the back to my third season as director of instruction at Crown Colony in Fort Myers, Florida. On ten twenty, um, third season there. I'm looking forward to. It. And actually, if anybody wants to come down or get involved, uh, I've got some good news and some bad news. I'll be down there and going at it hard until the first of May. That's the good news. The bad news is that October and most of November is already sold out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm pretty pretty happy about that. And and that's not I'm not jumping up and down and patting myself on the back, but it's 
it's going to be a busy season. Golf's been busy. It's just, it's been crazy busy. I, I'm really shocked at how many people are already, you know, hitting the old email already. Um, so I'm, I'm already off and running. Uh, but all the social media places, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, and Facebook, I don't do the X thing. Um, and then social, certainly the website is just tompatry.com, and you can get all the information you need right there as far as contacting me. But my favorite place to be found is on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock with the greatest, best, number one, <laughs> most talented, handsome, athletic, Ooh. and certainly humble podcast host, Mr. Christmas Carroll and Nick Thunder T. Nobody better on the planet. Oh, I love you, TP. Thank you very much, my friend. Please Stay promise, safe. Me one, promise me one thing. Okay. Please tell, please tell Chip Beck I said hello. I will absolutely tell Chip Beck. We were we were college uh, at the same time, and I was actually paired with him a couple of times. You can quote this from the Southern Intercollegiate at Bolt Creek in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, we both had a top five playing together there. So there's a little stroll down memory lane for you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And hey, before I let you go, we're yep. doing some business with a custom apparel company. I want yeah, you to are. make sure we plug. I come. Uh, it's crazy. Tom Patrick and apparel company. That's like, you know, oil and water. Um, I'm so, I'm such a, a perfect model, aren't I, Chris? You know, for sure. Uh, you know, you know, short, fat Italian kid. Um, Pick Point Golf, uh, a custom apparel company that does some incredible stuff with kind of art on, on, on apparel. Um, I just, I was hooked on it. A, a friend of mine came to me who was involved with the company, asked me to become a brand ambassador. Um, they, they, they showed me what they could do by using my logo and then betting it all over the shirt in an artistic way. It's really, really cool stuff. If there are any golf specials out there, any people running any kind of outings or special events, they can do incredible things with your, with your logo or your brand. Uh, and we're even got Christmas Carol going to be dressed up in a little bit, right. of this stuff. but it's really a cool company. Uh, no minimums. They, they do tremendous, tremendous stuff. They provide all the art up front for free. And show you what they can do. So you got to check it out. If anybody's interested, just give me a holler, and I can uh, I can show them some uh, some some samples. Yeah, it's it's fantastic stuff. The what the things that they did with the next on the T logo, and then blended it into a shirt pattern is really fantastic. Yeah, I can't cool wait stuff. to get the stuff. Your cool stuff, Chris. I love you, buddy. Thank you for having me on. This is only show number eighty two. We really got to get this thing moving a little bit. <laughs> Um, that's right give, give chip my best and remember short game short game short game you're the best my friend stay thanks, safe man. we'll catch up again soon thanks buddy see you man that is the great tom patry folks and again tom patry golf on instagram and tompatry.com is his website and be sure to subscribe to his youtube channel now folks get those free playing lessons and tips right there on tom's youtube channel Take them with you when you go to the practice range. It's going to make a big difference in your game. And they don't come better than that guy. And we are so lucky to have him as part of the show every other week. Already looking forward to two weeks from now. Coming up next is going to be one of Golf Magazine's top 100 instructors and a PGA Master Professional, Tim Cusick. Before I get to Tim, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player 
I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full-face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arcos and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arcos Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is top 100 instructor and a great friend of the show, Tim Cusick. Let me remind you about Tim's background. He's been a member of the PGA of America since 1989. He has been named one of the best teachers in the state of Texas by Golf Digest every year since 2011. Golf Magazine has named him one of the top 100 instructors in America every year since 2019. He is a three-time winner of the Teacher of the Year Award by the Northern Texas PGA section. He's also won the Horton Smith Award, which is given annually for outstanding and continuing contributions to professional golf education. Tim has earned PGA Master Professional status. He has coached and helped more than 150 junior players secure a college golf scholarship. He has also coached players like Bruce Crampton, Brad Elder, Hollis Stacy, and Sandra Palmer. He formerly managed and taught at the Hank Haney Golf School and worked with Hank for 23 years. He's currently the head coach of the coaching center at the PGA of America headquarters in Frisco, Texas. He has written a great book titled The Four Keys to Improve Your Game, which you can find out on Amazon.com. And I couldn't be more honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Tim, how are you, my friend? Chris, great. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, thank you. But Tim, it's been a minute since I got to have you as part of the show. Catch us up. What's been going on with you so far in 23? Yeah, it has been a minute. So uh, this past March, I accepted the uh, role as head coach for the PGA Coaching Center at PGA Frisco. And uh, we just opened the doors uh, September 8th. So we've been open almost two weeks. It's the last piece of the puzzle to be open at PJ Frisco and we got the doors open and we're rocking and rolling. Wow. So yeah, tell tell everybody for for those who aren't familiar with the new headquarters there in Frisco, talk about what you got there and not just the golf courses because it's a state of the art facility. Chris, it's a it's a um it's a facility that uh isn't really replicated anywhere in the United States. It was a partnership between Omni Hotels the PGA of America, 
and uh, in the city of Frisco, uh, Frisco, Texas. And so, as you said, 36 holes. Uh, um, Gil Hans did the uh, the East Course. That's our revenue championship course. We hosted the Senior PGA Championship in this past May, three weeks after we opened the doors. And we have uh, the KPMG LPGA Championship on the docket for 2025 and the PGA Championship in 2027. That's going to be on the East Course. And then we've got the West Course that uh, Bo Welling did. We've got a 10-hole lighted short course. That was a collaboration between Bo and, and Gil. Uh, we've got uh, a 75,000 square foot putting green. From one end to the other is 204 yards. Wow. All of one putting green, two 18-hole courses that's open to the public, free of charge, lights on it, jumbotron right next to it. So you can come, you can have some dinner. We've got 12 F&B outlets on the property, and uh, I failed to mention a 500-room Omni Hotel. And then, uh, as I said, the last piece of the puzzle was uh, the PGA Coaching Center that opened. It's a 12,000-square-foot, two-level building, 10 hitting bays, um, just something to behold. It's just it's, it's a true uh, honor and pleasure to uh, to work there. So when you talk about the hitting bays there, Tim, so is that a place where we can come and take lessons? Is that a place where we practice? Talk about that. So uh, it, it's an interesting scenario. The, the coaching center is a uh, facility, has a golf fitness studio in it. We'll soon to be have uh, club fitting in there and club alteration. But the 10 hitting bays... Um, We've got two indoor putting greens, a putt view green, a Zen green stage. The the uh, hitting bays are for uh, instruction, private instruction, corporate instruction, and uh, group instruction. And so on the property, there are two other uh, F&B outlets, one that is right on the back of the driving range called the Ice House, and there is six uh hitting slots out of the back of the ice house that you can rent kind of topped off like to hit from inside to out you can get a, a great bite to eat in there and then also around the monumental realty pga district where the putting green is that i talked about the dance floor uh, one of the uh, fb outlets is called the top golf lounge and there is uh, five simulator bays inside there that you could rent out by the hour and uh, go in and have a fantastic bite to eat as well so as head coach, can we still get a lesson from Tim Cusick or are you are you more in the train the trainer sort of mode? I I'm a, I'm a little bit of uh I'm a little bit of all that. I I'm I'm kind of a like a business owner. Um I'm uh I I have the title of of getting the uh, coaching center up and running, hiring the staff, training the staff, putting together the lesson programs. Uh, and I, I do still have some time to teach. My my time is a little bit more limited. Uh, I teach uh, late in the afternoons. I teach on Saturdays. Uh, but I just hired two lead coaches, a, a gentleman named Pablo Delomo and uh, and Ryan Hitt. They will uh, be my lead coaches. Ryan will take care of the, uh, the junior uh, golf programming. And Pablo will take care of the adult group programming. Pablo and I have a history together. I taught him 20 years ago when he was playing for a living, played every tour but the PGA Tour, uh, represented the country of Mexico three separate times in the World Cup. 
and uh, and Ryan uh, had probably the best junior golf program for CCA invited at a facility called Trophy Club, which is just east of the DFW airport. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. We're very fortunate to have both of those two gentlemen join our staff a couple of weeks ago. And and uh, and that's just a start. We'll uh, we'll keep it rolling and, and keep the uh, the instruction going. Um but uh, but yes, I, I I do I do still teach, but it's not it's not like it used to be. I can tell you that, Chris. Tim, from everything you just said, this sounds like the Disney World of golf. I mean, you want to come into a facility where you are completely immersed in the game. This place sounds unbelievable. Chris, think about this. So we had a historically hot summer in Dallas, Texas this this year. Thankfully, it subsided, but we had. I don't know, 55 days, over 100 degrees this summer. Um, the, the, the lighted short course, which is called the swing. It has, uh, holes from 60 to about 110 yards long. Uh, it's challenging, but it's also, uh, very user friendly for someone that, that's not as good a golfer, but you and I would really enjoy it as well. Excellent condition, lighted. It has piped in music. It's got a, it's got a, uh, uh, an old uh, pickup truck that was uh, refurbished, wrapped, and uh, we partnered with Casamingas, and that's our halfway house. And so you can play the swing. We're open until 11 o'clock at night. So you could come oh, home hi. from work, change your clothes, have a bite to eat, and as the sun goes down, go and enjoy a, a, a quick 10 holes. takes you about 45, 50 minutes. And, um, you know, it's $30 on the weekdays and $40 on the weekends. It's, 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 it's open for, it's open for the public. Um, the golf courses are open for the public. We do have a private aspect to the courses, but it's open to the public and you can come stay at the Omni Hotel as well. So for people who aren't familiar with where Frisco, Texas is, how can they find it? You know, Frisco, Texas is, has been dubbed Sports City USA. And the reason why I say that is because it's about uh, 15 or 20 miles north of downtown Dallas, and it plays home to not only PJ Frisco, but the Dallas Cowboys Training Center, the Toyota Stadium, where uh, Messi played there a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in uh, uh, Major League Soccer. Uh, it is the training grounds for the Dallas Stars practice facility, as well as the Frisco Rough Riders AA uh, baseball team that uh, is an affiliate of the Texas Rangers. Wow! So you had a lot of stuff to do in Frisco. If you, if you, if for whatever reason you could ever possibly get tired of all the things available there at the at the new headquarters, you got a ton of stuff in Frisco, Texas. We got we've got a ton of stuff. You know, you and I, you and I, uh, you know my my background. I moved to to, to Texas in 1992 to to. Uh, to be the director of instruction for Hank Caney's original Hank Caney Golf Ranch in, in McKinney, which is a the neighboring town. It's about uh, it was about ten miles due east of of where uh, PJ Frisco is. When I moved to help run the Hank Caney Golf Ranch, there were two thousand people in Frisco, Texas, in one high school, and now thirty years later. There's almost 300,000 people and 12 high schools in the city oh of Oh, my. That's amazing the, growth. The, 
the growth the growth is is astounding we've got we've got a, a on the property obviously i haven't even mentioned the home of, of the pga the pga headquarters is directly across the driving range from the uh from the coaching center right next to that is a northern texas section office and just behind those two buildings is panther creek high school which opened its doors this time last year as frisco high school number 12 oh my that's fantastic growth and and so many cool things to do there. Well, you're lucky you're sort of right in the middle of it all. I'm jealous. Well, it's uh it's it's a very unique scenario and uh and, and one that I'm, you know, I I I thank my lucky stars every single day to uh to be a part of it. I, you know, I I was part of the education faculty when COVID hit and I was a director of instruction at the Four Seasons uh, and the Four Seasons shut down for 4 or 5 months. I had to figure out what I was going to do, and and I, I was an adjunct faculty member for the the education faculty. Um, you know, back in 2018, 2019, I go down to Port St. Lucie to teach the uh, the seminars to the associates coming up in the the PGA ranks, and uh, I was fortunate to uh, to to join the education faculty full time. We were doing seminars, uh, obviously virtually. We opened the doors at the PGA headquarters uh, April of uh 2022 it's a beautiful building and um and then just you know everything i guess i played my cards right and and uh i'm now the head coach of the pga coaching center tim i want to switch gears in the few minutes that we have left Uh, i want to get a playing lesson from you because playing in texas is very unique when i think of texas golf i think of hot and i think of wind (laughs) Are, th- are there more shots that you have to teach your students there because of the playing conditions are going to dictate that usually when you get out there, the turf is going to be firm and there's going to be wind? Yeah, you, you you pegged it there, Chris. And the turf is unusually firm. We've had one measurable rain since July 16th. We're not Lubbock or Amarillo or, or Midland, Texas, but it is it's 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 hot. It was hot and dusty this summer. Um, so the ball runs forever. You know the the thing with with both those entities, the wind and the and the firm surface is a couple things are in play. When when the surface is firm, and and it, you know crazy as it may seem, you know we just came out of the the hundred degree days, and actually our driving range was closed today because they were we've got five separate five separate tees on the driving range that you can practice from, and so. The uh, the grounds crew was in the midst of of uh, shaving and um, overseeding the driving range tees today to get them to uh, grow in in the next couple of weeks. So we've got a you know a winter surface when we go dormant about the middle of November. And so back to to why that's important is when the grass is dormant or it's firm and fast, you don't have much cushion under the golf ball. So to me. Probably the most difficult thing to do for an amateur golfer is to be able to hit the ground and the ball at the same time, or even the ball and then the ground, but not hit the ground first or not be able to get down to the, to the golf ball. So that's why tour pros, one of the reasons why tour pros are so good is their consistency with their impact every single time. They have no issue hitting off a car pass. 
They have no issue hitting out of fairway bunkers they, 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 because they've got the bottom of the downswing in the right place. So when that ground is tighter, dormant or just firm, you've got to make sure that you get the ball on the ground at the same time or get the ball first. And, and a way to do that, don't jam it way back in your stance. I would just try and be a little bit shorter in the backswing and a little bit more forward and turning through in the through swing, almost kind of a chipping motion to 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 get that to get that ball con- contact that you want at impact. Now, with the wind blowing, and I would say that 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 PJ Frisco might be one of the windiest places in Dallas. Um, with the wind blowing, you've got to always you you can't beat the wind. The wind wins every single time. So you can't try and muscle the wind. You've got to just try and flight something through the wind. The higher that ball goes, the windier it is up in the air. So you've got to flight that ball down a little bit, and you've got it seven miles an hour for someone that hits the ball high. That's one club. Ten miles an hour for just a normal, you know, flight is is one club. And so smaller swings, take more club. Almost challenge yourself to take too much club which will allow you to make a smaller swing and not as hard a swing. Don't try and hit it harder in the wind. Try and make a, you know, a three-quarter speed swing to, to, to do everything you can to flight the ball down. And we talk about the mental approach on this show quite frequently. And on your website, timcusickgolf.com, you talk about having a positive approach to golf instruction in a game that is riddled with so much negative talk. Talk about a positive approach and the difference that can make. It's interesting you bring this up, and you and I, we haven't teed this up. This is a this is an organic conversation. Um, one of my really good friends in golf happened to be at PGA Frisco today, gentleman by the name of David Cook, who's a renowned um, sports psychologist, and he just he just exudes positive energy. And you know, I sat down and visited with him for about ten or fifteen minutes. I always come away a better man every time I visit with him. But the, the 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 positivity that you need in golf is is like no other sport because human beings are absolutely experts at beating themselves up, and it does absolutely no good with the maybe the the getting a little bit of you know steam off your chest, but that's no good for your golf game. I mean, you you can't imagine the conversations that go on. Between between tour players and their caddies, the, the the positive reinforcement that the caddies try and and uh, deliver to the tour players and the tour players with their self talk. I mean, self talk is so important that you've got to build yourself up. You've got to. You've got to. No one else is going to be kind to you. You've got to be kind to yourself. Golf is the only sport where there's not a coach to take you out of the lineup for a couple minutes when you got a bad attitude going. And sit you at the end of the bench, let you clear your head. You've got to do that yourself. And the only time you can do it is between shots. And so if I was going to give any feedback, especially to junior golfers, is learn to have a positive attitude. No matter, no matter how it's going, you can always turn it around. I heard, I heard Djokovic talk, the, the great tennis player talk uh, the other day on, on TV that one of his greatest things that's helped him improve to get to be a world-class player a, 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 you know an all-time player is how important a positive attitude is he said it can turn at any point you could be going bad 
And if you've got a good attitude, it only takes one shot. It only takes one scenario to turn the tide and get things going in a positive way. So just always look for the positive side. And you've got the most positive person in the world coming up next and chip back. My That's God, right. the guy's never, he's never seen a bad day in his life. That's right. Absolutely. I can, I can remember when, when, when he used to work with Hank Haney at, uh, at the golf ranch and, and I'd had a couple of conversations with him and the, the guy is, the guy is so positive. It's not even funny. I mean, how, and, and maybe that's one of the reasons why he overachieved on the tour. I mean, one of the biggest, he didn't hit it the longest, but he had the greatest attitude you could ever have in, on PGA tour. Yep. Couldn't agree with all those statements more. Tim, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they get a copy of your book, The Four Keys to Improve Your Game, and then also follow you, whether it's on your website or it's on social media? So, Chris, I believe you can still maybe wrangle a copy on Amazon. Uh, the, the, the publisher that, that published that book uh, seven or eight years ago has gone out of, out of business. The book's out of print, but I do believe there's some still on Amazon. Um, four keys to improve your game. Enjoyed writing that book, and that was actually my my thesis for my my master professional uh, presentation um, when I did that in 2018 for the PGA of America. If you go to pga.com forward slash coaching center, all one word, you can learn about the PGA Coaching Center, and you can reach out to me at tcusick c u s i c k at pgahq.com. Tim, you're fantastic, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of this show. It's always a treat to get to spend some time with you. I hope we get the privilege of doing it again real soon. Chris, thanks so much. Really appreciate what you do. You're, you're, you're simply one of the best there is uh, at, at, at this part of the business. And uh, I truly appreciate what you do for the PGA professional, the game of golf. And get to Dallas. I know Tom Petrie threw out this incredible red carpet, but all I'm saying is get to Dallas, come to PJ Frisco, and I'll show you a good time, sir. Oh, that's that's something I gotta keep I gotta take you up on. <laughs> My goodness. Thank you, Tim. I look forward to taking you up on that, and I look forward to having you back on the show. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. You know what, Chris? Maybe what we can do is do your podcast from the PJ Coaching Center someday someday soon. Oh, I love that idea. What do you think about that? I love that. All right, we're going to do that. I appreciate you, Tim. Take care, my friend. We'll catch up soon. See you. Yes, sir. Take care. That is the great Tim Cusick. C-U-S-I-C-K is the spelling of his last name. And just one of the great people you get to meet as a part of this industry. And uh, just one, obviously, a top 100 instructor. And they don't just let anybody go out there and and be the head of education and now the head coach so you know that he's doing special things so and that invitation is something i will not let get past me so looking forward to catching up with tim out there at the headquarters here real soon coming up next is going to be a four-time winner on the pga tour and a member of three Ryder cup teams and just one of the most positive people you'll meet anywhere on the planet and that is chip beck before i get to chip I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, 
and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tea box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2, U-N-D-R dot com. 2under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scony changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too. So spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's scony.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is four-time winner on the PGA Tour, Chip Beck. Chip is from Fayetteville, North Carolina. He played his college golf at the University of Georgia, where he lettered all four years from 1975 to 1978. He was a three-time All-American and was named first-team All-American in 77 and 78. He was team captain his last three seasons, and he helped Georgia win two SEC championships. His 66 in the 1978 Dixie Tournament still ranks as one of the best rounds in Georgia golf history, as does his stroke average of 71.67 in the 77-78 season. His 27 top 10 finishes are still number one all-time for the Bulldogs. He averaged eight top 10s for three straight seasons from 1975 to 1978. He won back-to-back Carolinas Amateur Championships. He won five times at Georgia, including the Southern Intercollegiate Tournament three times and the All-American Tournament plus that 78 Dixie Tournament. He won four times on the PGA Tour at the 1988 LA Open and a couple of months later at the USF&G Classic by a whopping seven strokes over Lanny Watkins. He also won the 1990 Buick Open and the 1992 Freeport Golf Classic. Chip shot 59 in the third round of the Las Vegas Invitational in 1991, becoming only the second player ever to do it at that time. He finished runner-up in the U.S. Open in 1986 and 1989 and in the 1993 Masters. He was a member of three Ryder Cup teams, and in 2009 he was inducted into the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame, and I couldn't be more proud to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Chip, thanks for coming back on the show. Well, that was quite an introduction. Thank you, Chris. I always love talking with you. I appreciate it. Hey, Tom Patry wanted me to say hello to you. You guys competed back in college, I think, at that uh, Southern Intercollegiate Tournament. I think he was trying to get, you know, run you down when you won those three times, but he wanted me to say hello to you. Oh, Pat, Tom's a really nice guy. He lives down in Florida where I live now. So he's a, he's a great teacher, too. It's nice that he's doing well. I'm glad yes. to hear so, Chip, it's been a minute since we got to spend some time together. Catch us up. What's been going on with you so far in 23? Well, you know what? Believe it or not, I've gotten like four different licenses, and I ended up back in the insurance business. I'm I'm doing, I'm working for a company, of, of the ninth largest privately held brokerage firm in the United States called Risk Strategies out of Boston. That's what I've been doing. 
Very good. So, yeah, so it's an interesting thing. I uh, I wanted to continue staying involved, and uh, I was teaching with my friend at the Weston Golf Club in Boston, and a friend of mine named John Baglica down in Florida uh, introduced me. So it was, it's really been a nice association. Chip, I want to get your thoughts because we're all starting to get excited about the Ryder Cup. And when you were playing on tour and it was a Ryder Cup year, how much was making the team a part of your goal that season? Well, it, early on, I didn't really think much about it. I was trying to qualify. I, the, the golf the, the golf world was so different when I started. I mean, it took Curtis Strange four years to get on tour. And he was our best player that won the U.S. Amateur and the NCAA. But what was interesting about it, we'd go to Phoenix and we'd have four different golf courses with 150 people trying to qualify for one spot at each course. So there were there were 350 to 400, 400 people trying to qualify every week to get in these golf tournaments. So I didn't qualify my first year until July at, of the Western Open. And... Um, I played pretty well from there out and I failed keeping my card by like $92 and I didn't even make, Ooh. I didn't even make uh, $7,000. So it was a different world back then. We played for the love of the game. Really? We, we just loved it. So it was a good way of life too. You know, that was the best part, but no, I mean, once you make the team, there's nothing better in the world than playing in the Ryder cup, just because it's such a fun event the competition because of the format they're only 28 points it's always going to be close you can never get so far ahead that the tournament's over i mean you can see that with crenshaw in 99 they came from <laughs> 11 whatever 10 shot backers that was some crazy so um it's an exciting format i'm actually going over to Marco Simone over there in Italy this year, and it's right in Rome. So it's going to be a, an amazing venue, I think. Uh, the golf throughout Europe, I remember when I first went to Italy in the early 80s, in France and places where I played golf in Europe, the golf courses weren't in great shape. They were just pretty good. And then as time went on, you know, they're, they're as good as anywhere in the world. And so... It's nice that they're switching up and going to different countries. I think that's been really good for the Ryder Cup. I think they go to Spain, you know, two years from now. So it's a fun thing. I like seeing the Molinari brothers in there. I think that Francesco is a really great player. And uh, I'm surprised he didn't make the team. But he had <laughs> played great. But I always liked him. I didn't know Eduardo as much as knew Francesco. But uh, the Ryder Cup's fantastic. There's no question about it. It's going to be a close match. It seems to me that, you know, the Americans have been riding pretty high. But one of the most astonishing things is that Tom Watson's team in 93, that was the last time a team has, uh, you know, won on foreign soil. Isn't that crazy? That yeah. was a team. And you were on that team. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. It's been that long ago. So, so we got to... I got to go back with you to your first Ryder Cup experience in 89. That was in, in the Belfry at, uh, in, in England. You, you get paired with Tom Watson in the Friday morning foursome matches. You guys are playing Seve and Jose Maria Olathabo. Oh, yeah. You're one of the top 10 players in the world at the time. 
But what was it like for you trying to put a peg in the ground on the first tee of a Ryder Cup match, looking over at Watson, Seve, and Jose Maria? Well, fortunately, I knew Tom fairly well. I'd been around him a little bit and played some golf with him. And it, it was it was kind of fascinating because there are a lot of guys, Tom was intimidate. He would intimidate you. And a lot of the players said that, gosh, Tom, I don't play my best with you. And I'm thinking, well, I'm intimidated by Tom as well, but I think I'd like to play with him and see how we do. And I wasn't afraid to, to uh, give it everything I've got. I know I, I didn't feel like I'd have any problem playing my best with him because I like, I like the pressure of that, and I like the inspiration of that. And I, I really like, I still remember some of the things Tom would say, you know, to encourage me and to encourage our team. And so anyway, we got a have out of them, which was pretty good because they were the most uh, successful team in Ryder Cup history. They, that, they they hardly ever lost a match, I think, Seve and Jose. So. You know, it's it was a it was a great honor to be with Tom playing them, and I was glad we got to have. I know he was disappointed we didn't beat him, but so was I. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned the word pressure. How did how did playing in a Ryder Cup and the pressure of playing in a Ryder Cup? How did that compare to playing in a major? Is it the same or is it different? Well, I I always thought it was different. I mean, you don't have anybody helping you. I mean. The teams I played on, you've got, you know, we had Payne Stewart and Fred Couples, John Cook, and we had so many good players. Ray Floyd played. I don't know how in the world you can feel much pressure when you've got such a strong team. These guys can play and under any conditions. And so, but when you're out trying to win the Masters for the first time or the U.S. Open, it's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more pressure I feel um, just personally because it's such a it's a it's such a milestone to accomplish that you know to win a major by yourself like that it's just almost impossible it seems at times to accomplish I finished second a bunch of times and never quite got over the hump with it you know so yeah. maybe one day somebody in my family will do that <laughs> but it, it's a fun thing to look forward to, you know, winning a major. Yeah. And it's a lifetime achievement, you know, it's what it is. And Chip, you helped us win back the cup in 1991 when it was played at the ocean course in Kiowa Island. You were actually okay. one of two captains picked by Dave Stockton. What was it like when that call came through? You know, I was, I, that was one of the biggest honors of my career though, to have Dave Stockton pick me. Um, because, you know, I didn't work with Dave Stockton. He knew me a little bit. He got to know me as time went on. Um, I played some golf with him, but it was an honor that he chose me. And, uh, one of the, one of the best things about Dave Stockton is he knew you were only as strong as your weakest link. And he really knew that I was an important part of that team. And he, he played us that way. And I really appreciate that. And even even Ray Floyd in 89, he said, Zinger and Beck, you guys, we were rookies. He said, you and you and uh, you guys have earned your way on this team. Play hard. We're putting you in. We're counting on you. 
I mean, that's the best thing you could have told Zinger and myself. So that was the way Dave Stockton was as well. They were great coaches, and uh, Dave didn't leave any stone unturned. It was really a lot of fun. So he was a great captain and a great, uh, just a great coach. The ocean so, course at the time was pretty new, and uh, some folks didn't even think it was ready to host an event like the Ryder Cup. And you guys got attacked by mosquitoes and other bugs when you're out on the on the practice range and things of that nature. And I talked to several of your peers that were on that team and they said, you're so positive. Even the bugs couldn't deter you to say something negative. Well, I grew up in, in North and South Carolina playing with all the no and all the mosquitoes and I'm, you get used to it. They eat you alive, but you just put your, your, your uh, insect repellent and you go. But I knew even with that, they can bother you. And I figured the guys from the South would be hard to beat. That's the way I looked at that. That was not even a question that they weren't going to affect us. But I figured the European team, it would kill them. But the, the, that, that ocean course, there was something about that wind that was so, it had so much, the water content was so high. I don't know what in the world it was, but I remember Savvy hit it in, Jose hit it in. And then Zinger hit it in. And then if I get it on dry ground, we're going to win that hole. And I hit it in the water. But there was no room left. There was no room hardly around that hole whatsoever. And, uh, that, that made that, that's what made that hole so difficult. And if you, if you cut it a foot, it was going to go 30 yards. I don't think Cal Quebecki ever hit a draw in his life. And I don't think he ever saw dry ground there. It was just a very, it was a strange wind. It was so strong. And it fooled you. It fooled everybody because you think the wind can't be that strong. But when you see three of the, you know, the best players in the world, um, you know, hitting in the water in front of you, it's like, wow, this, this is incredible. But I will say this. My caddy, Dave Woosley, was really on cue that day. Because when I played Ian Woosman, he was the number one player in the world. And it was like the sixth match. It was a real key match that day. And I had, he had beaten, I, he had actually beaten me in the world match play when we played Wentworth about six months before. And, um, man, it made me so upset because I really beat myself because up and over the humps, I three putted about three times. And that's really what beat me in that match. And they, they, the Europeans always had, they played it two or three times a year. And their, their, their final, their grand finale was always there, their tour championship. So he, I beat myself and I said, man, I'm not going to beat myself today. And, uh, as, it, as I got to that tee at 17, my caddy Dave said, Chip and Painster has hit me on my shoulder and, oh man, come on, Payne, take it easy. And come on, come on, everybody's rooting for me, you know, and so, I get to the tee and Dave says, Chip, you just laid up on 15, on 16 with your brass. You hit it 210 yards. It's 209 yards to the flag. It's a brassy. I said, give me that club, Dave. I didn't even think about it. I just said, that's it. And I hit it right at the flag. And I hit it just over the flag and uh, two putted from a two and one victory over, over Woozy. And, uh, it was amazing because he was so naturally gifted. I remember I hold it out of the fairway, hold it out of the fairway bunker, just to beat him. He was an amazing player. 
That was the year he actually hit it over the bunker at Augusta on 18 and hit like a nine iron into the green. That's how long he could hit it. He was only about five, five. He, he was an amazing player. So that yes. was, that was a great win for me. Yeah. And, and obviously that was as to your point earlier, that was a pivotal match because we only won by a point. You don't win that match. We don't win the cup. Yeah. That's what right. Was, what was that like for you coming down the stretch? Because I got to imagine. You know where we stand at that point, and you know how pivotal this this match is going to be. How'd you deal with that? Well, you know, when you're playing well, and I've had a lot of success to that point, that you play with a lot of confidence. You don't really have a lot of fear, and you don't really have a lot of uh, anxiety about it. You're you're really enjoying the match, and it's it's not that difficult when you're playing well. <laughs> I can tell you that. It's like a different game. You're, you're, it's, it's sheer joy, you know. It's kind of like, it's like, kind of like Trevino said, you know, when you're, when you're trying to make the cut, you don't have any money. Those are hard cuts to make, you know. And and, and he said, well, like when you're, when you're gambling and you, you, you're, ten dollars down, you only have five dollars in your pocket. That's called pressure. <laughs> and so when you know, like he always said, when you're in the, when you're playing at the top of the league, you're playing with house money, and he's right. There's not as much pressure on a guy when he's our our goal. Like for instance, if I finished third all alone, I could make thirty thousand dollars. And if I was knocked out of first or did something silly and messed up or what have you, I was still trying to get in that third place or second place by myself, you know, so I could make the living that week, you know. So it it uh, it made you a lot tougher. So you weren't really afraid of a whole lot. It didn't matter who it was or what it was coming at you. You're pretty confident you could beat most anybody. So that's that's the beauty of golf, and I think that's what confidence does for you when you have success over a long period of time. And I think that's what you'll see in the Ryder Cup players. You know, like I I was really shocked when I was in France last time. You know, the golf course really didn't suit our players because they were dog legs off the tee. And they were cut off. You know, you couldn't hit it, but so far, you'd run into bunkers, you'd run into creeks and lakes and what have you. And so, and the winds were always crosswinds. So we had, we've had like our wildest players getting sponsors exemptions and uh, being chosen. And it's like, oh my gosh, that was a hard course for Mickelson and some of the guys that hit it so wild. And you got Fleetwood and those boys just hit it right down the middle with their drivers you know and and dj is trying to hit him up uh dustin johnson's trying to hit him a two iron in the fairway and he's in that thick rough on the side he'll lie i mean it was it was like wow we had the wrong team with us <laughs> so it'll be it's always interesting to see what happens in this golf course they'll have control over i mean last year the first two shots hit by the americans or two years ago in paris the ball rolled right in the in the lake down there. I mean, it was like, wow, this they really they rolled the fairways and got it a lot tighter. And uh, so that it, it's a it's a home course advantage, and I think that will it really makes a difference. So I think it's going to be a close match, and it should be a fun match though, because a lot of young players playing some of the best golf of their lives. Even Sepp Straker, you know, he's a Georgia guy. I'm pulling for him, even though he's a European guy, because he's a Georgia guy. And uh, 
it, I think I think it's amazing. He come all the way from Austria, married a girl from Birmingham, live at Shoal Creek, and uh, be on the Ryder Cup team. I mean, that's an amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, it is. You got to love a guy like that. That's pretty strong. <laughs> Chip, just a couple more before I let you go. Yeah, and, and we we've talked in the past about your fifty nine at the Las Vegas Invitational. You, at the time, were only the second guy to ever shoot 59. Al Guyberger obviously was the first guy to do it. But you had to stand over a three-footer on 18 to shoot that 59. We talked about pressure a minute ago. But yeah. what was it like lining up that putt, standing over a three-footer, knowing that if this goes in, you're going to shoot 59? Well, it was not only that, but that putt was for a million dollars because Hilton Corporation was given the first guy to shoot 59 a million dollars that year. So we knew that that golf course was open for that because I could hit all the par fives and there were a lot of wedges and short irons, which your scoring clubs into the par fours. So we knew I, I had not seen the golf course. There's another one, Dave Woosley, great caddy. He, uh, I, I didn't know where I was going out there. He said, Chip, just hit it 240 right down the left side, right at that stake right there. And then hit this a little bit to the right of the cup. I mean, I just followed him all the way around. And uh, that was it. And I think that helped me a lot. But what's really fascinating, I'm only, I'm, I'm they're only like, I think, I, I don't know if somebody's done it recently. They might have done it recently. But I was the only one until this year, I think, where there were, I've, I've made 13 birdies. Everybody else is playing on par 70s and 70 par 71s. So that was kind of cool. I, I didn't, you know, people tell me that all the time. But, um, when you, when, you know, Andrew McGee won the, the Las Vegas Invitational that year and made 650000 and that putt was for a million dollars. So I felt a lot of pressure. My knees were shaking. I, I don't remember my knees shaking quite like that <laughs> over a putt. <laughs> you feel that. So. No doubt. Chip, I was looking back into one of the mid-'90s PGA Tour media guides, and in there, you listed landscaping as one of your special interests. Did you ever consider getting into golf course design? Well, I had a couple opportunities, but the financing always fell through, so I never really had the opportunity to do it around the Chicagoland area. So that was kind of cool. I wish I would have been able to do that, but um, you know, it's always it's always good to have a good name on your golf course, anyways. You know. So I don't know if I would have lived up to that, but the nice thing about it, I think if you have a Nicholas or, uh, you know, some of these great players, their golf courses don't disappoint, do they? Right. I played, I played Ridgewood Country Club up there in uh, New Jersey, and, man, that was quite a golf course um, where Jerry Pate won the 1974 U.S. Amateur. Those greens were so undulated and it was just a, a classic i think it was a seth rayner if i'm not mistaken but an amazing golf course it was it'd been redone and modernized and all that but still it had all the, the makings of greatness you know just by the design so if you do one of those in your life you're probably pretty fortunate so, Jim, before i let you go let yeah. our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing now, whether it's following you on social media or it's online? Well, you can always go to go chipbeck59 at gmail.com. 
chipbeck.com. Send me an email or just go to my website, chipbeck59. It's always a good thing. And if you need any property and casualty insurance, I'm at riskstrategies.com. <laughs> there you go. I'm six, I just turned 67, and I, I feel really good. I feel fortunate. And I'm leaving in two days to go to, to uh, Zurich, Switzerland with my wife, and we're going to stop in Rome. And uh, my sister-in-law has a meeting with the Pope set up. So we're going to oh have my. a fun time. That's no doubt. I hope you'll yeah. post pictures of you with the Pope. Uh, that, that'll be very interesting. See how close I get to it. And they say it's a, a group of about 10 people. So that'll oh be my. That's impressive. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Yeah, no doubt. I'll Chip, keep you posted on that, Chris. Please do. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Chip, it's always a huge privilege to get to spend some time with you. I really, I feel the same way. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, Chip. Right. Bye-bye now. That is the great Chip Beck, folks. And you, you talk about it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, we just barely scratched the surface of, of all of Chip's wonderful accomplishments and his stories. But just as uh, as Tim talked about, just one of the most positive individuals you will ever meet in this life. And I love his stories. I love his demeanor. And uh, wow, uh, 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 10 people with the Pope? How great is that? I can't wait to see pictures. Hopefully. He posts them out there on social media. If not, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, if he sends them to me, I get them out there for all of us. Coming up next, I'm going to get a return visit from the VP of Marketing for Unicor. Guys, become a new friend of the show, and that's Greg Sibella. Before I get to Greg, let me remind you about our friends over at Squares Golf. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed Bolt at squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z dot com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. All right, moving on. And now back and next on the tee with me is Greg Sabella. Greg is the VP of marketing for Unicor. They make launch monitors, simulators, and related software. Prior to joining Unicor, Greg was the director of marketing and golf sales for Blast Motion. Going back a little bit further in his career, he was the VP of marketing for Superstroke and the director of marketing for Callaway Golf. And I'm excited I get to have him back again with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Greg, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. I, I need to uh, I need to talk to your booker about my time slot. I mean, I'm following a 59 Ryder Cups, the Pope. Man, right? that's a tough act to follow. It is tough, but I know you can do it. You got you got the uh, <laughs> the gravitas to do that without question. We'll do our best. 
So, Greg, for our listeners who weren't with us last time that you were a part of the show, remind everybody about Unicor, who Unicor is, and the great things you guys are doing. Yeah, we are a launch monitor and simulator company located in Southern California. Um, we've been in the U.S. market around for about four years, but have our roots in Korea, with which is kind of the home of golf simulation or, or indoor golf um, for the past 14, 15 years um, with our parent company. So we make a suite of different products, try to cover every golfer's need um, and bring technology, you know, world-class technology to the masses. And Greg, you guys recently launched the, the iMini launch monitor, which I got to say looks fantastic. Tell us what the iMini can do for us. So the iMini was our first portable launch monitor. We, we have been uh, very, I'll say, dominant in the overhead department. So launch monitors that are mounted on the ceiling. Um, iMini is our, our portable launch monitor, which can also serve to simulate golf. So if you have a smaller space, um, or a, a smaller budget, if you will, and iMini serves that purpose. And then, if you're someone who who likes to to go practice at the range or at your course or on course, you can simply grab it and go and get instant data on the machine itself or via an iPad app um, as you're outdoors hitting shots in the wild, if you will. And you mentioned the overhead piece. You guys make what we all dream about having in our basements, which are fantastic golf simulators. Talk about the full suite. Yeah, it's, um, you know, our, our kind of flagship product is called the, uh, the IXO2. Um, and it's a, it's a three camera system mounted overhead, uses high speed cameras and infrared, has an enormous hitting zone. So it's, it's very realistic in terms of you know, pulling a ball in and going, you don't have to find a, a real exacting spot. Um, we have what we call club optics, which is a repay, replay of your club moving through impact and then a still of impact, which is very unique. Um, and then we, we recently integrated trouble mats, which is a, a simulation of rough and sand that literally builds right into the game. So if you and I were playing a round of golf, in a sim bay with an IXO2 and you hit it into the rough, the system won't let you hit your next shot until you place it into the rough on the mat. So it, it really calculates penalties in kind of a hyper-realistic way. Um, so you have to hit a tougher shot if you hit it in the rough, and you have to hit a bunker shot if you hit it in a bunker, which is a huh. pretty neat experience. No doubt. How, do, how does it simulate the bunker? There's a, a thick kind of... Um, you know, instead of a, a turf tee, it's it's turf, but it's long and it's got thicker strands. So the ball sits down a little bit and it slows your club head down like a bunker would, you know, 10 to 15 percent, if you will. Um, so you got to kind of open the face and hit a bunker style shot to advance it in, in gameplay. Just wow. is really neat. No doubt. Greg, you guys are also partnering with Lily He out on the PG, uh, LPGA Tour. She had a top 10 finish a few weeks ago at the Great Lakes Bay Invitational. Talk about getting to partner with her. Yeah, I mean, Lily is a, a um, not only an unbelievable golfer, but but really a lifestyle and, and kind of fashion 
icon in the in the world of uh, of Instagram, and she brings a just a new perspective to what we're doing. So she's she's certainly a technical practicer. She likes to see her numbers and level set where she's at, um, whether at home or on the road. And so again, our suite of products allows her to practice while she's not traveling, or take a portable with her while she is traveling if she needs to. Um, she has a great social following and, and really gets us um, kind of into the conversation with women's golf as it continues to grow. And then specifically, you know, the LPGA tour where the, the level of play is, is just, you know, outrageous. And, you know, we want to equip her with everything we can to help her post more top tens and, and get in the winner's circle. Greg, as we all look ahead to the PGA Merchandise Show, which is going to be here before you know it, what can I look forward to coming to see when I visit you guys at the booth for, for Unicora there in January? Oh, I wish I could tell you more, but I will, I will tell you that we will have some new product introductions. We'll have some, and that's hardware and software. Um, I think what you'll see from us are, are kind of a continuing pattern of pushing the envelope of technology, but also pushing the envelope of making technology available to the masses. So, you know, you can build a simulator that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars if you really want to with custom builds and this and that. But our goal is to help everybody experience the technology at a at a reasonable price point, if you will. So we, we have a good breadth of product that ranges in price points. Um, and you'll continue to see that from us as we, as we move forward. Are you able to share any, and I'm not asking you to get specific, but can you give us a, any, any peek under the tent for what kind of new product, what area you guys are trying to develop something new in? Um, let's see. What can I say? I can say we are continually working to make indoor golf as realistic as possible. So some, some advances not only in in hardware but also in our software suite so we think and and the feedback we get is not everybody just wants to go play around a virtual golf there are people who want to have contests with their friends in a social environment or in a in an entertainment environment and then there's a, a subset of people who really want to work on their game and we want to make sure we're hitting kind of everybody out there so they can experience the technology for what they want to use it for. So if you and I were having a beer and sitting in your basement, we'd be, we might play nine holes and, and entertain in between. If you're there by yourself, you might be gapping your bag or really working on a, on a specific distance or short game or off the tee. And we want, we will have product that meets all of those needs. Wow. Is AI entering your world now? AI is definitely entering our world. Yeah. And you you may want to stop by our booth. Okay. I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, you, we look forward to seeing you. You mentioned virtual golf. We know that, you know, Tiger and Rory are going to be launching their TGL league in January. It seems like to me they should be reaching out to you guys to do all this stuff so that uh, their league actually you know, you're, you're the infrastructure that provides what they do. Has there been any, yeah. any of that at all? You know, Tiger has a, a partner in this space, um, who 
fortunate for them is is going to supply the the technology that helps helps that league but i think in general bringing attention to indoor golf or simulator golf and and just how real it is is going to help the whole industry it's going to help all companies when people realize that that hey i can compete i can practice i can play all from the comfort of my home whether it's snowing or raining or too hot it doesn't matter i can play you know, hundreds of different golf courses whenever I want and don't have to worry about getting a tee time. So I, I'm excited for the league. I think it's going to draw attention to a, a great industry and it's going to help all involved. So if my buddy Greg is busy one night and I want to play around and I've got your equipment going, can I play somebody else somewhere else? You will be able to. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. We can finish this call and go straight to your basement or to your setup, and we can play 18 holes of whatever game we want from anywhere in the world. Wow. That's awesome. Which is pretty neat. Greg, one of the themes of tonight's show, I've been getting people's feedback. You probably heard Chip Beck uh, talking about his Ryder Cup experience. I want to get your thoughts. That's the next big thing. We've got the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup coming up here very soon. How excited are you to watch the the men's team uh, go hopefully defend the cup this time around? And then uh, you talked about how tremendous the women's game has become. And now we got a, a wonderful Solheim event, which has just been a highlight over the last several years. Talk about getting to watch both of those events. Yeah, I mean, the only downside is sleep because of the time zones that these are in. Um, right. But I, I absolutely love the competition. You know, I hope the U.S. can pull it out on foreign soil. You know, on paper, we always look great. But home court advantage, home course advantage is a big deal in every sport. And uh, the Europeans are going to be tough. Um, same with the Solheim Cup. You know, I, like I said, I, I love that tournament because I, I do think the LPGA distances that they hit the ball, the courses you know, the distances they play from are more similar to what most golfers play from versus people hitting it 340 off the tee and playing 7,600 yards or, or whatever the setup's going to be. So I really enjoy watching the LPGA. I think the Solheim Cup is an awesome event. Um, and yeah, other than lack of sleep next week, it, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a fun weekend as a golfer and a, and a golf fan. Greg, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you guys are doing and follow you, whether it's on your website or it's on social media? Yeah, we are on all the major social channels. Um, we post content, you know, daily, if not daily, every other day and try to keep people informed. Our website is unicor.com. It's U-N-E-E-K-O-R.com. Um, and there you can find any information you need. Um, you know, like I said, we have a suite of different products, hardware, software, and accessories. And if you can't find it there, um, I'd be shocked. We, we, we got what you need. Greg, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. The things you guys are, are doing and, and I'm looking forward to seeing at the PGA merchandise show uh, on many levels is mind blowing. The technology is outstanding. And I'm looking forward to learning more and seeing more when I catch up with you guys in January. Yeah, I will look forward to seeing you in beautiful Orlando.
Greg, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. See you, Greg. Bye-bye. That is Greg Sabella. S-A-B-E-L-L-A is the spelling of his last name. Unicor. Again, U-N-E-E-K-O-R.com is the, is the website. And the things that these guys are doing are absolutely outstanding. I'm telling you, I am jealous as heck. That having something like this in your basement would just be the next level of awesome. Right? I mean, to think that you and I could be playing a match at Pebble Beach from our basement. How great is that? Right? And now they're going to be adding an AI piece on top of that. And then the, the trouble shots. Really? Now I can play stuff from the rough and from the bunker from my basement. This is the next level great. So I'm looking forward to catching up with those guys uh, down at the PGA Merchandise Show. I'll try to keep you up to date as much as I can about uh, their new technology as they come out. Obviously, we'll have Greg back on the show as often as they have new products. This is really the next level great. And the TGL thing is something we talked about it with Tom Patry in the first segment. But I'm looking forward to seeing how they do it and what that's like and where the teams are and who is on each team and that sort of thing. I think it's going to be an intriguing thing. I'm actually looking forward to checking it out. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And another one that stood out to me is On Point Golf. Game-changing, three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furyk and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Tom Patrick, Tim Cusick, Chip Beck, and Greg Sabella for joining me this week. Scheduled to join me next week are our good friend and 1989 Open champion Mark Kalkovecchia will be back. 1982 Southern Open champion and a fantastic golf analyst, Bobby Clampett will be making a long overdue return visit with me. Another one of the top instructors in our game, Virgil Herring, will make his next on the tee debut, as will longtime PGA Tour caddy Lawrence Molestic. So it's going to be a great show, folks. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. I want to remind all of you that you can find the show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content, but in particular, We're out there on TribLive.com, which is a part of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review's online newspaper. So go to TribLive.com, click on Sports and then Podcasts, and you'll find us right there. You can also find the show on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audio Boom, and Player.fm. And again, my thanks to the folks over at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts. Please download their free app and stream your favorite podcast right there on your favorite device. But most of all, my thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.